0: Um, as we continue um, in the book of Mark on Mother's Day, um, I thought it would be appropriate to point out how Mark is using two women, one a couple of weeks ago and one today, um, to connect the dots and show what it really means to be a disciple. So if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the woman, um, who, the widow, who went to the temple and gave her two coins um, in the, the temple treasury. And it was said that she gave a gift greater than anybody else because she gave everything she had to serve God and to serve others. And so she give, showed this uh, sacrificial devotion to Jesus. And today in the story that we're going to see, um, we're going to have another woman um, who basically anoints Jesus with super expensive perfume. Kind of the same kind of thing, a sacrificial, expensive devotion to Christ um, and honoring him in what he is doing. And so um, what we miss out in today's world is um, kind of how scandalous it was for Mark to put this in his book. Right? Women could not even, test their, like their testimony wasn't valid in court And when he is writing this. And so for him to choose these women to contrast the religious leaders at the time and say, this is what discipleship really looks like, is really an amazing way to honor women in his time. Right? And I think when we think about our mothers, we think about the kind of the same concepts that we see in these two women who neither of them actually get names in Mark. And so it's kind of these unnamed women who do these great things. But it's the, 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 the characteristics of sacrifice, right? When we think of our mothers, I think all of us think at some level of sacrifice of what they have given up for us. Right As if carrying us inside of them for nine months wasn't enough, um, they continued to do that even after that, and so they sacrificed for us and then just the amount of devotion and care and love that they have for us um, and hopefully um, your mother had also a devotion to Christ that you could see in her and so those qualities I think kind of sum up at least for me when I think about mothers it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a job it's a A relationship of sacrifice and of devotion. And so as we look at those, I just want to be thankful to all of our mothers and all of our women here who are um, different kinds of mothers, a biological mother or an adoptive mother, or maybe you acted like a mother for someone who didn't have one. There's all kinds of scenarios and situations where you could be a mother for someone, and so we want to thank you for that this morning. And I especially want to just pray and thank God for our mothers this morning. So you guys pray with me. Um, God, we come before you and we thank you um, for all that you have given us, um, that in your in your design, in your um, creation, you designed for us to have mothers, to have women in our lives, and no matter who we are, that would love us and care for us and sacrifice for us and seek what was good for us, who would be devoted to us and devoted to you. And so we thank you for For that. We we pray for those um, this morning who are it's a bittersweet day where you're you're remembering and you're thankful um, for your mothers who maybe have already passed on um, or for some in broken relationships with parents or with with your mothers or with your children. Um, We just pray in the midst of this day um, that we would seek you, that we'd be thankful to you for what we have, and that we would seek you in the places where you still need to, to do some work and we need to trust you in those places. So we thank you. Um, for what you have given us through our mothers um, this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Okay, we will be in Mark chapter 14, so if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, you can. It's page 902 in the Bible that's in front of you, um, or if you're using uh, the Version Bible app, we put it in there for you so you can just go find it. But as, you re- as we read this, you're going to no- notice another um, of Mark's sandwiches, Right? He uses this technique where he kind of brackets something, and we call those sandwiches. The women are actually one of those, kind of inside another one. Um, but today you're going to see one of those, and it's going to be the chief priests um, at the beginning and at the end. And so the first couple of verses you're going to see, it's going to say the chief priests were looking for a way to arrest Jesus. And then the end of the sandwich is um, Judas was looking for a way to betray him. And so that's the outsides, and on the inside, we're going to have this story of this woman who does, gives this um, extravagant expression of her devotion to Jesus. And what's, why I'm telling you this ahead of time is these events are not in order today, um, think of the beginning and the ending of the sandwich as one thing, and then the, the, the woman's story in the middle is basically a flashback to an event previously in the week. And so if you were to look at this story in other Gospels, it wouldn't necessarily show up in this order. So I just wanted you to know that the middle story is a flashback, um, and so that's how we fit all that together. But let's read this together, um, verses um, 1 through 11 of chapter 14. It says it was two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a cunning way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, so that there won't be a riot among the people. And while he was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of pure nard. And she broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. And Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could Um, This is the same phrase from the widow a few weeks ago where she said she gave all she had. This is the same phrase. So he's connecting those again uh, in this story and says, She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. And so I started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. And so in this story, we see basically several reactions to Jesus. Right? We see the chief priest's reactions, which we kind of already knew um, from what we've seen in the book so far. We see the woman's reaction, the disciples, and then Judas. And so we're going to look at it in, in this way to understand who Jesus is and to understand what we should give to Jesus. Um, I'm trying to make up for last week where I had like 14 points, um, and I'm only giving you two this week, and it's really only one, but I'm trying to make up for that, so just be thankful this week it's two instead of 14. Just, just kidding. So first we need to see, to understand who Jesus is. So the religious leaders, I think as we've seen throughout the book of Mark, saw Jesus basically as a threat, right? But we see even in that they weren't willing to arrest him during Passover, now, Passover was the, was the remembrance um, of the redemption of e- the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And so they remember that every year at this time. And what would happen is um, all Jews were supposed to come to Jerusalem to celebrate this. And so there were a lot more people in Jerusalem um, Now that I think about it, think of, well, we used to have these. Think of Austin like for ACL weekend or South by Southwest or when the F1 race is in and it's just people flock here from all over the place and the city basically doubles in size during that time. And so that's kind of what is happening here. So the reason they don't want to do it is there's at least twice as many and some estimates are... Um, that the city went from 50,000 to 250,000 for this time. And so when they say there's a lot of people here, we shouldn't do it now, it's because of the number of people who are coming. But again, even in that, right? we've been talking about the, the religious leaders all along, that they have this fear of man, a fear of the, what the people might do, and we see that again. right? We can't do this now because the people will riot. And even... In this discussion of when they are in the Passover, we can see that they still don't understand who Jesus is because, yes, the celebration of Passover was about a past event that happened in Israel's history, but it always it also pointed towards right a Redeemer who would come later and redeem them and rescue them from their sin. And so they've been looking for this for a really long time, but they don't recognize that Jesus is the one that is in front of them, that he is the one they've been waiting for. And so what I think they saw him as, and we've seen this, is kind of a troublemaker, right? Jesus is a troublemaker. And maybe you see Jesus as a troublemaker this morning, right? He just wants to take all the fun out of my life. He just wants me to follow all of these rules. He's just going to cause trouble in my life and make me follow all of these rules, right? His followers have caused all kinds of trouble throughout the centuries. How can I even understand that? Or maybe he's pursuing you. He's asking you to trust him and to follow him, and you maybe just want him to leave you alone, right? He's causing trouble by pursuing you and seeking you and asking you to do something more. But I think the response to all of those is is to go a little deeper, to do some research, to study the scriptures. Yes, Jesus will disrupt your life. He will change what you are planning to do on your own. But I think in every instance, if you ask people who have given something up to follow Christ or they have followed him and given up the other things, almost every time they're going to say it was way better afterwards than it was before. It was totally worth making that sacrifice and giving over to Jesus. And so we see the response of the chief priest. And then in verse 3, we have the story of a woman anointing Jesus with perfume, um, And this isn't just like a small thing. She didn't like take a jar of perfume and pop the top off and pour a little on his head. No, it says she broke the jar, right, and poured it on him. There is no going back after you've broken the jar open. It's all coming out. And so she is not half-heartedly doing this. She is going all in by breaking the jar and putting it on his head. And so what's actually going on here, because we don't like walk around and anoint people with perfume anymore, Maybe at your house, but not doesn't happen at my house very much. But I have boys, so maybe that's a girl's, I don't know. But So what's really going on here? Is she anointing Jesus like you would anoint a king in the Old Testament? Or does she really believe that Jesus is about to die, which we see from Jesus' response later? Or does she even fully understand that Jesus is the Messiah who has come to redeem them? And I'm going to say that I think the answer for all of those for her is no. I don't think she actually fully believes any of those things. Right? All of those things are possible, and she may believe them, but none of those are mentioned in the text. It doesn't tell us that she understands that. Um, But in addition to that, anointing someone in this way was also a common way to honor a guest, um, to show hospitality, especially on a festive occasion. And so because it's Passover, this would be included in that. But here's the thing, if if she wasn't anointing him as king, if she wasn't anointing him as Messiah, if she didn't know he was about to die, I don't think that diminishes her gift at all. I actually think it makes it a greater gift, because even what she understood of Jesus, even though it wasn't a full understanding, she knew that he was worthy of this gift. He was worthy of this action, that this jar of perfume to anoint him was a sacrifice of devotion to him. So, if she didn't fully understand he was the king and the Messiah and was about to sacrifice himself for her, it's an even greater gift, right? Because we may say, well, if she knew Jesus was going to be the king, he was going to reign, he's going to be the Messiah, he's going to die on the cross for my sins, then we would say, Oh yeah, it makes sense that she would make this sacrifice, that she would give him this anointing, that she would spend this, basically spend this money on him. We would say, yeah, that's, I can understand that. But if she didn't, it's an even greater sign of devotion, right? Because even what she understood of Jesus, she knew he is important enough to give this sacrifice. He is someone who deserved her devotion and her sacrifice. And she understood the moment what was happening even if not fully she understood enough to do this right and the gift is a significant gift we learn from the, the disciples response that the jar of oil costs 300 denarii so if you're not sure how much that is if you didn't like calculate that in your phone while you were listening um, that's basically 300 days of wages so essentially it's a year's salary or a year's living expenses that's how much this thing costs And so, whether she saved up and she bought it, or whether it was a family heirloom, um, she had it, and she believes that Jesus is worthy of this gift. He is worthy of her full devotion. He is worthy of this significant sacrifice. But then we see the response. It says, But some... Um, and when it says some, it actually means disciples. Um, if you look at Matthew's version of this same story, it says, these people who are objecting are the disciples. And they were expressing indignation. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they begin to scold her. Scold her, Right? The disciples see what the woman did as a waste. We could have sold it and we could use the money for the poor. We could have done all of these great things if we would have just sold it instead. It was just a waste. What was she thinking in doing that? We could have done so much more. And in that, I think the disciples not only are demeaning the woman saying, what is she doing? She shouldn't be doing that. But they're also in a way demeaning Jesus because they're saying at some level, Jesus isn't worthy of this sacrifice. Right? There's a better use for this sacrifice, for this money, for this thing, and it's to give to the poor. It's not necessarily to honor Jesus. He doesn't deserve such an extravagant sacrifice, an extravagant gift. Think about when you're choosing a present for somebody, and it's their birthday. And I'm pretty sure everybody does this. You start running through your head, and you're like, well, how good of friends are they? And how close a family member are they? And you kind of calculate, well, if they're this level, then we spend this much money. And if they're this level, then we spend this much money. And if they're this level, then we spend even more money, right? So I think that's sort of what the disciples are doing in this moment. They're calculating, how much is Jesus and honoring him really worth, right? And in their calculations, they have decided it's not this much. It's not as much as this woman has given her. This is too far. This is too much. There were other things we could have used this money for. Which means that even in the last week of his ministry, the disciples, the people that had been following him around for three years, didn't fully understand who he was. They didn't fully understand what he had come to do. Yes, they saw him as a good teacher, someone who had power and can do some miracles, but they still weren't quite ready to go all in. Now, they also weren't saying he didn't deserve a gift. Right? Or he didn't deserve to be honored, or you didn't deserve devotion to him. Right? They'd been following him for three years. They're just saying, this maybe was too much. There's something better we could have done. And so we see the three reactions to Jesus. One, that he's a threat and a troublemaker that needs to be eliminated. We see from the woman that he's a person of great worth and deserves honor and devotion and sacrifice. And then we see from the disciples a person who is important But maybe there's a limit to how much honor and devotion he deserves. And now we're going to look at Jesus' reaction to this situation. And we're going to look at basically what gift Jesus deserves from us. Because what we're really asking in this story as we see this is, how much devotion and how much sacrifice does Jesus deserve? Right. That's the question we're really asking. And so let's look at this. So Jesus replied in verse 6, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you don't always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for my burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And us telling this story makes that true, right? Because we're telling it this morning. And so Jesus corrects them, right? She's done something noble. At this time, in this moment, she has done the right thing. You don't understand this yet, but she is preparing me for burial, right? Even though he had been warning them over the last few weeks that this is going to happen. And so what we see in the woman is that she had the right instinct And the right heart, right? Her instinct was that Jesus is worthy to be honored. And her heart said, I will honor him in the best way I can think of, by giving him this gift and anointing him with this perfume. And the disciples, I think, had the right instinct, but the wrong heart, at least for this moment, right? Because their instinct was, we should help people in need. And that's a good thing. That's a good instinct to have, that we should help others. But their hearts, they were, I think, saying in this moment, there's something of greater value than honoring Jesus. Right? And it is good to care for the poor, just to be clear. We should be reusing our resources as Christians and the church to help those in need. Jesus isn't saying not to do that. He's just saying there's a time and a place for that. And right now, when Jesus has been warning them that he would be handed over and killed by the religious leaders— They should be focused on him as much as possible. And so the question just for us is, how much do we give to Jesus? How much devotion? How much sacrifice? And we see in this story different examples, different levels of that. First, we see the woman, right? She gives a pure and precious and praiseworthy gift. The cost of the gift didn't concern her. Yes, it was a lot of money for the perfume. However she got it, it's a lot of money to sacrifice that gift. But in addition to that, not just sacrificing the money for the perfume, but there was also a social cost for doing this in front of a group of people. Right? Right. To say, I'm going to do this in front of people that I probably know, and they may think I'm strange, and they may think I'm doing something that's not appropriate, or they may think I have gone too far. I'm, she was willing to pay that cost, the social cost, of stepping up and honoring Jesus in this moment. <clears throat> and so the question for us is, do we love Jesus like the woman loved the Jesus, loved Jesus? Are we willing to give him a year's salary or years' of our living expenses? Do we love him that much? Are we willing to look strange or awkward in front of other people? Are we willing to talk about Jesus and how we follow him outside of church? Are you willing to give him more time, more energy to get up early or stay up late? Are you willing to be uncomfortable for Jesus Will you sacrifice your safety net, whatever that is, whatever makes you feel safe or comfortable or secure, whether that's money or success or your job, or maybe you have actually an addiction that helps you feel safe and comfortable and relaxed, and you're turning to that instead. Are you willing to give that up for him? Will you give him whatever carries the most value for you? Are you willing to give him that gift? Because the woman gave all of it. She wasn't holding back, right? She broke it, not opened it. She broke the jar. And then we have the disciples, right? And their response is a little more like, sure, we should show sacrifice and devotion to Jesus, but let's not get carried away, right? He's important, but maybe not as important as we're making him out to be. There are better things to do with the money, with the time, with the resources, Right, And I think this, this made me, And for this week and every week, but especially this week, this is not like me saying, hey, I have this figured out and I'm fully devoted to Jesus and I'm not afraid of any of the things I'm just listed. This is me just saying, this is hard, right? To love Jesus and to honor him and to sacrifice and to do things that he's calling me to do and not worry about the cost or what people might say or what might think I'm I'm in the middle of that too. I'm not saying I've got this all figured out or I'm doing it perfectly. Right? But but what we see is it made me think of right? We love to hear stories of somebody who went all out and served Jesus wholeheartedly and maybe they went and became a missionary or they went and shared the gospel with their friends at school or a coworker, and we see this, this movement of God kind of happen, and people get saved and things happen. We love to hear those stories of people doing courageous and brave things for Jesus. I think sometimes we just want it to be somebody else who does that and not us, that we're afraid for us to step out and do those things. Right? We want to hear the stories, but we're still a little afraid for us to step out and do it. And so as we think about this, this, this question and of just following Jesus, <clears throat> it's basically a matter of degrees, right? I think every, most people in the room would say, hey, we should have some level of sacrifice and love and devotion to Christ, and we should do things for Him. But we all kind of tap out where we feel comfortable, right? I'll give this much, but that's about as far as I can go, or I'll give this much or this much. Right very few of us actually go as far as this woman goes to love sacrifice and love and be devoted to Christ. But that's really the question I want us to think about this morning and I know I've asked it several different times. But this is this is the real question to think about. What would you being fully what would being fully fully devoted to Jesus look like for you? And I know in this room, we have people in different life stages. Some of us have a lot of kids that we're taking care of, and so we have less time. Some of us are single. Some of us are married. Some of us are older, right? For whatever stage of life you're in, it may look different for all of us, but what does it actually look like in your life to be fully devoted to Jesus? What is he asking you to do? What are things that you could do over and above what you're doing right now? How could he use those in those things? Because if we're not serving Jesus wholeheartedly, I think in a way, just like the disciples, we're sort of saying, well, he isn't really worth my full devotion. He isn't really worth my full sacrifice. But I think if we truly understand what he can really do, how he can change everything, that it might change our perspective. Because think about whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever it is, what if Jesus could change that for you? He could help you overcome that. He could help you work through that. Right? What if Jesus was the one who could comfort you? What if he was the one who could ease your pain? What if he was the one who could stop you from feeling lonely? What if he was the one who could calm your anxiety? Who could make your marriage better, who could make you a better parent, right? He is capable of all of those things. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, He can help. He can help get you through that. And if He is capable of that, if He could do that for you, what gift would you give Him to honor Him, to thank Him? Right, as you think about his worth and his value to you, what would you give? And I think that's where we start, trying to become like this woman, is what has Jesus done for me? And what can I give to him? What can I show, whether it's time or resources or money or some action that he's calling you to do? How can we show that we're fully, wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus like this woman? we're willing to sacrifice, no matter what it looks like for us. And that's where we start, right? What am I willing to give to Jesus? That's where we start to show Jesus our full devotion. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we come before you, <clears throat> and we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for examples that you give us in scripture of what it looks like to follow you, to honor you, to be devoted to you, um, that are, I don't know, when we read this just at first glance, it just seems like a woman pouring perfume on Jesus. But we see in that that she, she loves him, she is devoted to him, she's willing to sacrifice for him, she's willing to give so much to show and to represent how great he is. And how much more should we do that, knowing that we are on the other side of the cross, right on the other side of you coming and dying for our sins, for giving us a path to life and to overcome our sin and our troubles and our fear and our anxiety and our stress and all of those things, we can overcome all of them through you, that you are. In, in every moment, you are the greatest thing that we can do. You are the greatest thing we can honor. You are the greatest thing we can follow. You are the greatest thing that we can seek out. So God, I pray that you would give us just time. You would remind us to take time just to think about you, to think about your greatness and your sacrifice and your love and your mercy. That you would give us the strength and the boldness to do the things that you're asking us to do as the Spirit speaks to us. Help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and showing us how we can show our devotion to you. So help us to, to do that, to see the greatness of who you are. In your name I pray, amen.